on the night that Jesus died. Good morning. How are you? Everybody good, church? It's a good day, amen? Well, as you can tell, this is not your average Sunday here, but what is, right? I mean, we've been having a lot of not your average Sundays lately, amen? I love that. I love that. Um, so if it's your first time, um, you have just stumbled onto, into uh, Student Sunday, which is uh, one Sunday um, during the year where we want to celebrate um, what God is doing in our student ministry. And uh, it, so you don't have permission to check out because this, is, this message and all this is not just for the students, amen? This is for all of us. This is, we are, if, if you haven't, can't tell, um, one of the things I love about this church, and I hope that long after I'm gone, that students will continue to be important to this body. Long after we're all gone, my prayer is that our children and raising our kids up to love Jesus and follow Jesus will always be a priority here. Um, it's not everywhere, no, no shade intended. I'm just saying we are blessed here with the leadership that we have that loves students so well. And uh, so there, it, it, we're not going to turn this into a thanking a, a bunch of people because I'll forget someone. But, you know, it, look, from our, our college and young adult volunteers, right, that are here every single Sunday night pouring into our students with life, with uh, community groups and small groups and, and Bible studies on Wednesdays and Thursday nights to the nursery, to the little bitties, all that. And, of course, um, uh, Kristen and, and the amazing job she does with our our middle school ministry, and of course, uh, my wife Allison, in, in the countless hours she spends um, discipling, mentoring, and pouring into, on top of her 40-hour week job, job, pouring into students and loving them like they are her own. So we've got so many people that we could say thank you to, but that's not, this is not what we're here for. We, we, we are here to have church, amen? We're here to meet with the Lord. We're here to worship together, and uh I, I've got a word for you, but uh, one of the things I love to do this Sunday every year is we like to hear from a couple of students. Like we, we want you to hear their heart. And uh, so I'm going to ask Landon and Elizabeth to come on up. And uh, yep, come on up. They're a little nervous, but I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm just kidding. I've got that mic right there. Yep. So I'm going to let, uh, this is Elizabeth Canister, everybody. Yeah. And Landon Davis, everybody. Okay. See it? Standing O, right? Okay. Not standing O, seated, sitting O. Um, they're going to share their hearts a little bit with you. So I um, want you to uh, hear what they have to say. God's put some stuff on their hearts. So Elizabeth. So when I first came to the porch, I only knew like, two people here and the first time I came I came to a mission trip like mission trip week in the summer in sixth grade and like I instantly became friends with so many people there and we just all clicked and just everybody here was so welcoming and we just had so much fun and I just loved the fact that they had the boys and girls club come because we got to like pour into those kids and like, it was just so much fun, and they really seemed to enjoy it. Like, they did not want to leave at the end of the week. And 
I love the journey weekend that they do because we just really get to go deeper into like what salvation means for us and like everybody here and I don't know I just really love the porch and we just all really clicked and I just always want to be here with everybody and everybody's just so welcoming so yeah My name is Landon Davis. I've been a student at the Ford Student Ministry since sixth grade. I remember, I remember being scared to death to step into a youth group at such a young age. I've gone through the normality of growing up in church to being a servant of his word. This road has definitely not been easy at all. God has, test, God has tested my faith in so many ways. I remember going into youth in sixth grade, losing my sister's best friend. I saw God move in a way that I never have in such a young age. He showed me how community is a cornerstone of our walk, 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27 that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. I witnessed these words in the hardest times of my life. I have no idea what I would have done without my stir group and the love and compassion that Justin and Allison have. However, God was not done testing my faith. God decided to test my faith in a way that I went in so blind. I was freshly turning 16. I thought I was on top of the world, now driving, and I felt like nobody could stop me. I was not pursuing the thing that I desperately needed and wanted. Michael Todd says in one of his sermons, when you get saved, that salvation gives you the peace with God. So all your past sins, everything is settled at salvation. I get peace with God, but when you abide in him, when you read your, when you read your Bible, when you stay in a small group, when you abide, it gives you the peace of God. I was chasing the wrong things in life. God showed me this, God showed me this in a different kind of way. He told me that I needed to cease and let him work in and throughout me. I found out that the game that I've loved for so long was coming to an end when I was cut from the baseball team. At that moment, I felt defeated. However, he was just knocking down every battle that I was going to face in the future. He led me to having more time to come to more student ministry events. I attended the mission trip in New Orleans my 10th grade with a porch in the summer, and I'm a quiet kid if nobody knew. I was put in positions I would have normally straight up folded in. With his trust, I went on to talk to so many strangers. Later on, I prayed and prayed, and God told me that I was a leader. However, it hit once again. I was cuffed to culture. I was cuffed to the wrong community. I was cuffed to criticism and even times critical to others, and lastly, cuffed to the ways of this world. I saw these things as something I was always comfortable with, and I had to make a change. I simply prayed a prayer of nothing but rejoicing of his plan he had for me. God knew how he wanted to use me the whole time. Without the Port Student Ministry, the college leaders that have poured into me over these past four years, I wouldn't be the man I am today. This student ministry is like no other. I have watched my sister and her friends after graduating come back and disciple people my own age. I love how the porch raises up college students to be role models to pour back into the community of the younger generation. This has taught me the importance of community. So thank you to all who serve the porch student ministry, especially Justin and Allison. Thank you for always being intentional with not only me, but the rest of this community. It doesn't go unnoticed. We love you. Thank you guys. I know it takes a lot of courage to, to get up on here and the lights and stuff. But um, So as you can probably tell, this is a unique Sunday. But um, again, we kind of want to keep the unique Sundays going, don't we, Shannon? I mean, uh, we just want God to do whatever he wants to do. Amen? Uh, so if it disrupts our plans, it's all right. 
Uh, we're going we're gonna to get to what God uh, wants us to. So we are in week two of a, actually a series called At the Cross, and um, I'm honored to share this morning the cost of the cross. The cost of the cross. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus makes an incredibly powerful statement about the nature of being a true disciple of his. Jesus quite literally like throws down a gauntlet, right? He draws a line for anyone who would consider following him. And we're, we're going to read this statement in, in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, if you want to turn there. Uh, but I want to set this up to, for you by reading a few verses prior that actually make it make sense. It'll resonate a little bit more. So in Mark chapter 8 and verse 29, Jesus and, and, and Peter have this exchange. And of course, it's the, what I would call you know, the greatest question ever asked, which is, Peter, who do you what? Say that I am. Right? And, and of course, uh, at first glance, you think Peter just says Jesus because Jesus is the answer to everything and you know Jesus is standing in front of me so naturally the answer is Jesus and then Jesus reveals that hey you know you didn't come up with this on your own and the 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 spirit revealed that to you he says who do you say that I am And, and as soon as they get through with their exchange Peter declares Jesus is the Messiah Savior of the world and that's important and because that's the first step believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord like that he is all that he says he is. But then what? Is that all there is to being a Christian? Just saying that Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus can be Lord of all and not be Lord of you. Right? So we step into a relationship. We declare, we believe in our heart and declare with our mouths that Jesus is Messiah. He's Lord. He is the Savior of the world. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins. But... What about the rest of your life? Is, it, is, it, is that all there is? For many of us, even in this room, you made a commitment maybe long ago, maybe as a teenager or maybe even recently, or maybe you're here and you're thinking about it. You're just putting your toe in the water of this thing called following Jesus. You're, you're just kind of wading in to the shallow end here. So after Peter's response, Jesus turns around and says something really, really profound to the crowd that was gathered there, the people that were so-called following Jesus. This is what he says in verse 34 in Mark 8. He says, then he called to the crowd, to him along with the disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? So we're going to look at two things. What, number one, what did the, the cross cost Jesus? There was a cost. It brought a heavy cost. And all of you know what that cost is. But do you know the depths of the cost? We know the physical torture, punishment that he went through. 
But maybe we forget about all the other stuff that Jesus, the price that Jesus paid. See, we just think about the, the beatings, the actual physical death. And we sometimes think about, you know, the, the crown of thorns and the, you know, plucking his beard out and other things. And of course, we're not diminishing that. It's, it's the worst physical torture any human ever went through. And Jesus suffered great, greatly physically. But the cost is far beyond the physical toll that he took. Jesus paid a very steep spiritual price as well. We read this earlier, I want to read it again from Philippians chapter 2. This is what Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says. It says, have the mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. So what was the cost of the cross for Jesus? Well, He submitted himself to human frailty, entering, stepping out of heaven, stepping out of perfection, entering into a broken world that he created, entering into the frailty of a a newborn, an infant. Imagine God balling himself up, (laughs) infinite, perfect God, and being placed in the womb of a 14, 15-year-old girl. He gave himself, he gave up heavenly status, right? He is God. And so God became flesh. The word became flesh. And he submitted himself to the Father. This is, a, this is one of these things that if you think about too hard, it, it'll hurt your brain. Think about Jesus being fully God, fully God. And yet at every turn in his ministry, you can see in those, in those red words that you read, that Jesus submitted himself completely and totally to what the Father wanted. Even even so much so that you're going, well, you know, saying things like, well, why do you call me good? Like there's only one that's good. Of course Jesus is good, right? That, That doesn't make any sense to us. And yet Jesus completely and totally submitted himself to the Father. And finally he submitted himself to death, right? Death. Jesus was fully aware of what it would cost him long before he entered the world as a baby. I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus, sitting at the the Father's right hand before entering the world, understood the cost long before he paid it. Think about that. Long before he entered our world, he counted the cost. He counted the cost. And to him, it was worth it, right? It was worth it. We, you and I, were worth it what he went through. Jesus too counted the cost. There, there's, they're in the garden of Gethsemane just minutes before being arrested. 
Jesus ultimately took on sin and death for us in our place. In our place. See, the cross also cost Jesus his relationship with Father God. It, for a time, it cost him the, the, the fellowship with the Father. Think about that. He was cut off from the Father for a little while. He was cut off. The cross cost him his relationship with the Father for a time. And when the Bible said the Father had to turn his back on his own son because of the sin that Jesus took on into his body on the cross. So this, is, this was their, you know, this is the cost for Jesus. So there was a piece of that cost that he paid that we don't always think about. We think of the physical, and we don't think of all the other stuff that Jesus endured. So that was the cost. I mean, and, and as quickly and as concisely as we can say it, there's so much more we could say on that, amen? I'll, but that needs to kind of resonate with us. What it cost Jesus to go to the cross needs to resonate, or else you and I will remain an unbelieving, unwilling to submit, unwilling to follow Jesus, you and I will remain that way if that one truth doesn't kind of stir around in our hearts and our minds, right? Correct? The cost, the high cost of our sin and what Jesus did to take on the problem of sin in our world, right? So we're there. So what is the cost now also for me? What is the cost of the cross for you and for me? See, what will it cost me? What will it cost me? The cross cost Jesus everything. And listen, if you are following Jesus, it will cost you everything. It may not cost you your life physically. We're in, a, we're, we're in a part of the world where you and I don't have to worry about someone busting in here and arresting us all because we're doing something illegal. You don't have, we don't have to worry about that. But you will pay the price in other ways. You'll pay the price in other ways. But what cost is it for you and for me? Jesus set, he lays out the cost of being a disciple in Luke chapter 14. I want you to turn there just a one book over from Mark, Luke 14, starting in verse 25. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now that seems a little harsh on the surface, right? Surely Jesus is not advocating that we hate our mom and dad. I mean, students, you know, I know you get ticked off at them. You might about have walked in ticked off at them this morning. I mean, that's what, you know, families fighting in the car on the way to church kind of thing. Like, we get that visual. Surely Jesus is not saying, look, you've got to hate your family. No, he says, quite simply, your love for me will be so great that it will seem like hate for everyone and everything else in this world. Does that make sense? He says, even your own life, and this is the part we have a hard time with this morning, the cost, 
the high cost of the cross. Such a person can't be my disciple. Verse 27 is that whoever does not carry their cross, follow me and follow me, they cannot be my disciple. Who doesn't carry their cross? Now, we don't have a physical cross that we're going to pick up every morning and carry out of the house. That'd be awkward. Not going to get very productive at work. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Or school. Might break a lot of rules. No, there is a, there is a spiritual cross to carry. There's a spiritual cross that you and I have to decide we're going to take up every single day. It's like Shannon said last week, you, look, it's, it's, it's on you. The Holy Spirit has is, is, is set the table for you to be a follower of Jesus. God is, Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for you and I to be Jesus followers. And yet, we hold on to our life. We love our life too much. We love our things too much. We are double-minded. We are duplicitous. We worship anything and everything but God. And he goes on in this passage to talk about how you wouldn't build a house without first sitting down and figuring out if you have enough money to, to build a house. Then you're, you look like a fool if you run out of money and the half is house built. H- ha- house is half built. How about, you see how I did there? Like, have you ever, have you ever seen this happen? I, I mean, obviously, with, with, with COVID and the, 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 the way the economy is, there's a lot of things that are like half built. Half built. Abandoned even, Right? He says, count the cost. Don't be a fool. Count the cost. Sit down and count the cost. So this is another ground-shaking statement. Listen, this is a ground-shaking statement by Jesus. It's, 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 it's a line drawn. See, you and I cannot decide we're going to be 20% followers of Jesus. We can't. We can't even be 50-50. The cost to follow Jesus for you and I is much, much greater than that. He says count the cost. So how do we count the cost? Well, I've had the great fortune over the years of owning vehicles that need a lot of work done to them. Anyone who knows me is just like, oh, my gosh. Every time I see Justin coming, I hear some weird noise coming out of that Tahoe. Can I get a witness to that? Amen, like, you know, just, that's my lot in life, I think. This is my cross to bear. And every time my vehicle needs work done to it, I won't mention my mechanic, but he's very, very popular in this town. It takes like two months to get in and see him. All right, Donnie Thomas, hey, shout out to Donnie Thomas. Every time I go and get it checked, I, I talk to him personally because he'll just shoot me straight. And, uh, you know, a couple of times I've had a vehicle where he's like, you don't need to put no more money in this thing. You got this, you got this, you got this, you got this. Here, here's what it's going to cost. And then I have a decision to make. I say, what it's going to cost me? What's the damage? And usually it's way more than I'm willing to pay right then and there. And so I decide, people, I have to decide whether I'm going to putt-putt around town with stuff hanging out the bottom of my truck, dragging the ground. Oh, it's drivable. Like, heck, yeah. That one wheel's about to fall off. It's okay. Like, muffler sounds like it's, you know, World War II, you know. You know. I could, yeah, I could drive that. No, 
big deal. Two wheels? No, no problem. I'll just wheelie the whole time. So after he gives me the sum total and they perform CPR on me, resuscitate me, it takes a moment to think, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? See, whether you've been a Christian for many years, listen to me, whether you recently started your journey or whether you're thinking about it, where you, you're, you're in here and you're, you're just kind of checking this out. You're checking this out you, for your for your. Self, you're like, okay, is this Jesus thing legit? Is it, you're counting the cost. Just because you, you know, maybe you're 50-something and you got saved at 12 and, you know, have you not counted the cost every day since? Have you? Because Jesus draws a line. Yeah, you're going to slide into heaven, but you're no disciple. You're going to slide on in there. You got fire insurance, but you're no disciple. I can't tell, tell you how many years of my life I've spent calling myself a disciple of Jesus, and I was a fraud. I spoke this talk. I, 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 you know, I, I went to church. I did all the stuff. We can't have it both ways. Are you willing to pay cost to be a disciple because if I, I believe that if we drew that line not not to be in a harsh way if Jesus drew the line we ought to draw the line as well if Jesus drew the line and said this is it this is the only way it happens then we ought to as well amen we have to draw that line and say look this is what it's going to take for me I'm not pointing the finger at anyone else I, I'm looking at me and I'm searching my heart faith that costs you nothing is worth nothing and will result in nothing. We can't have it both ways. We're either let go of everything else and embrace Jesus, or we walk away and embrace the punishment and death that Jesus took on for you already. It's like the rich young man, the rich young ruler, had this conversation with Jesus, and he, said he really wanted it, he really, really, really wanted it real bad. Jesus said, there's, he said, I've kept all the commandments. I've done all the stuff. And Jesus said, there's one thing you haven't done. He said, sell all your possessions to the poor and come on back. He didn't really mean literally just selling off everything he owned. He meant you are, you, your God is your stuff. That's what he meant. Your God are people and things. I don't have, there's no room for me on the throne of your life because people and things are sitting there where I belong. Can we relate to that? I sure can. Every day of my life. You and I have spent countless hours this week worshiping at the altar of people and things. You've worshiped at the altar of your career this week. I've worshiped at the altar even of ministry. I've worshiped at the altar of my family, parents. You and I worship at the altar of our parents. We worship at the altar of our children every day. They were not meant to be idols to be worshipped. They are gifts for you to steward and then to let go of. And I'm speaking to me. We cannot have it both ways. There is a cost and there is a line drawn and it, it convicts me to the core when I take this test, the, the disciple quiz, guess what? I fail most of the time. How about you? I fail most of the time. Jesus is not trying to beat anyone up. He's trying, he, he is setting the table for the Holy Spirit to do work in our hearts. 
that make sense? He's not bashing anyone. We take it, we take it uh, uh, in the wrong way. When Jesus draws a line, we say, oh, that was mean. Folks, is conviction not how revival starts? Is that not how revival starts? Faith that costs nothing is worth nothing. The cross of Christ has infinite value. To the world is a symbol of punishment, torture, death. It's dreaded. The world dreads the cross. But to us, it is freedom. It's hope. It's joy. So we don't need to dread taking up our cross. We don't need to dread that. We don't need to say, oh, my gosh, I I, want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to suffer. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in and helps you carry your cross. You, You don't carry your cross on your own. I want you to know that. Jesus didn't carry his cross on his own, did he? He absolutely did not. Now, he could have. He could have. There's symbolism in people picking up that cross and helping him, helping him pull it to, to Golgotha, where he would ultimately be placed. But though it carries a cross for us, it carries a cost for us, though we're going to suffer loss in this life because of the name that we carry, the name of Jesus, the real cost has been paid by Jesus himself. The real cost has been paid. Death, hell, which we all deserve, by the way. The sin that leads to it. That price was paid 2,000 years ago. And we're just a couple of weeks away from celebrating that wonderful event in human history at Easter. Ultimately, if my faith, faith costs me nothing, it is worth absolutely nothing. I cannot call myself a disciple so having a correct view of the cross is what, I tr- it, what it truly means for you and me to take the first step in carrying our cross daily. Having a, a, a proper view of it. Not one of dread or punishment, but one of freedom and hope and life and joy. Correct? A disciple, a true disciple, on the days where I feel the few, the few and far between days where I feel really, really close to God, I joyfully pick up that cross. I run to it. I run to it because there's where repentance and freedom from my sin and and freedom from myself, that's where it comes. So when I go to it, I run to it. I don't trot. I I I don't ease up to it. I run to it, and I gladly carry it into my school or my place of business or the dinner table at home. I gladly carry the cross. But on the days... On most days, when I'm busy worshiping at the feet of my family and my job and my sport, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, family, vacation, on those days, the cross is something that I dread and I I avoid like the plague. Because I know what it's going to cost. I know what it's going to cost. Galatians 6.14 says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified. My interest in the world has been crucified. The cost of following Jesus is, is great. It will cost you everything. The only thing it will not cost you is what Jesus paid for on the cross. 
The only thing it will not cost you is spiritual and eternal death. But everything else, folks, is on the table. It's on the table. It is not out of God's reach. Amen? We tight fist everything in our lives, and we won't let go. We won't, will not, we cannot, will not surrender. And God says, just open up those hands and let go of what you think is important and grab hold of something greater. It'll cost you everything. And if you're not willing to pay the if I'm not willing to pay the price and deny myself, my selfish desires, my ambitions, my goals, even my own life, then he says, you might as well stop pretending to be a Jesus follower because you're not. And I was really, really broken this week over that passage. Really broken. Because as I'm preparing a message to, to, to give to you, to offer to you, I, I, I understood that 80% of my life is spent being a disciple of other things and people and not Jesus himself. Cost is great. But here's the flip side. Listen, the cost of not following Jesus is even greater. The cost of not following Jesus is infinitely greater than the cost of taking up your cross every day. Well, will that cost you? It will cost you everything. And just like Jesus, but in a more profound and, and, and awful way with, with, with infinite consequences, you, you and I will be cut off from the Father in a way that there's no going back from. The cost of following Jesus is, is great, but the cost of not following him is, even, is infinitely greater. I want you to hear that. The cost of not following Jesus is a price you and I will not be willing to pay. Verse 35 and 36 in Mark chapter 8, this is, this is kind of the, the kicker for me. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, we'll save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? So the question is, does your faith cost you something? Does your faith, does your Christian faith cost you something? I know we're in the Bible Belt. I know everybody goes to church. Most people that attend church on Sunday mornings, on average, do not know Jesus. I'm not calling anybody out in here. But the statistics bear that out. The majority of people sitting in chairs and pews on a Sunday morning do not know Jesus personally. They are, we, we have a problem in our churches. We should be raising up disciples, not converts. We should be raising up people who love the cross more than anything in their own life, and yet we are raising cultural Christians. That's what we're doing. My hope is, is that you will see, and this is not just for the students, our hope is that we are, our, we are here. We don't always get it right, but here, from the little bitty babies on up to you as adults, our heart here is to build disciples. That's our heart for the Porch Community Church. That's my heart for the students, to not be cultural Christians, to draw a line and say, this is what it's going to take. 
We're not perfect. We're, not, we're never going to be this side of eternity. But we're going to follow Jesus. And by the Holy Spirit's power, we're going to take up our cross. And we're going to deny ourselves. What will you be willing to give up? Listen, what are you willing to give up to follow Jesus? What are you willing to give up? Galatians 2.20, you read it last week. Shannon, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of, Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's right. That's it right here, friends. Right here in Galatians 2.20 is the picture of someone who has denied themselves and allowed Jesus to take over their lives to the point that they themselves feel as though they're no longer living. But Jesus is the one living in them. Think about that. Paul says to the point that I'm no longer alive. It's Christ in me that's alive. That is someone who's counted the cost. That's authentic discipleship. That's, that's going to require the highest price. Folks, you want to know how true revival starts? It starts in the heart of someone, young or old, having counted the cost and having found that the hope and the joy of knowing Christ and the promise of what is to come is worth more than what's in this world. That's how revival starts. If you and I want to see revival, we're not going to do it by holding weeks-long corporate worship services. No. I, are you kidding me? I would love to see that happen. Nothing wrong with that. I'm a worship leader. I'm all about it. Let's go. Let's start today. Like, but revival's not going to really happen long-term that way. God will use that to, 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 to light a little spark. But what the, the, the forest fire of, of, of revival that happens from that little spark is the surrendered heart. Someone who says, I deny myself. That's how revival starts. That's how it sweeps across our, our country. Repentance is the true way revival starts. Repentance. And it starts here and now with me. Me. You want to see revival, folks? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. No matter what you might stand to lose in this life, and you'll lose a lot, by the way, you'll lose a lot. You may lose a job opportunity. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Apologize. You might lose a bid into that sorority when you get to college. You might be put out of your, a friend group. Some of y'all experienced that already. You might not have the social standing or the good, good name in this community that you used to have. I promise you, you can't have it both ways. You can't. Right? I need to be willing to surrender my good name in the community to follow Jesus, if that's what it takes. Now, here's the thing. It'll cost you everything, but what you gain in eternity is infinitely greater. Amen? I'm going to ask the band and uh, those who will be helping serve communion to come on up, students. And as you've seen, we, we've, we're ask, we've asked students to come and serve in all areas. We've got them, we, we, you walked in, they were greeting and ushering and they're, they're, they're at the tech table back there, and they're on the cameras, and they're singing. And um, What does that say? Why do, I, why do I mention that? Why do I mention that? Because parents and adults of this community, I want you to know 
I want you to know that the part that you play in their lives and seeing them become true disciples is so important. It's so crucial. Look, look at me. The part that you have to play is not to sit back and watch and clap and say, isn't that great? Look how many students are here. The part that you play is to be an active discipler in their lives. The part that you play is to you, for you and I to take up our own cross, to set the example. Don't wait for them, their fire and their passion, which they have more than we do. Don't, don't let that fuel you. You need to take the initiative and you fuel them. You let your faith fuel theirs. That's the correct way it's done. But in our society, unfortunately, that's not the way it is. In our society, we have allowed the kids to lead, and we follow behind them and say, isn't that great? Because they're, they're so much younger, and they have so much more energy than I do. No way. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you are to, we are to take up our cross and follow Jesus daily and to love him with all of our hearts. This is the cost of the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that the ultimate price for our sin was, was paid for. The ultimate price and the cost of being a disciple the punishment you took on all our behalf. And we as we, we come to the table, I think it's so, so great that we're sharing in communion today because Jesus made that statement. Je Jesus, before he was arrested, and before he wrestled with the cost of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before that, he had a meal with his friends. One last meal. And what we're doing here with, the, with Holy Communion is we're taking part in remembering that meal, remembering the words of Jesus, remembering that Jesus said, Father, if, there, if, there, if there's any way to take this cup from me, the cup being the cross, make it so and yet Jesus straightened up and said not your will but mine this is what this communion table so to speak is all about we're well we're all are welcome at the table if you earnestly repent of your sin and you seek to live a life of peace with God and with others then you are welcome at this table Father, thank you for the cross. May it ever be the focus of our attention. May we never boast of anything else in our, own, in our lives, accomplishments, social standing. May we always boast simply in the cross. In your name we pray, amen.